You're listening to Dots, Lines, and Destinations, a travel podcast with hosts Stephen Seagraves, Fosma Moon, and Seth Miller. Hello, and welcome to episode 381 of Dots, Lines, and Destinations. I'm Stephen Seagraves, joined uh, this week by Seth Miller and Fosma Moon. Gentlemen. Good evening. What's going on? Well, I mean, you're, you made it home, we assume. So. Eh, who can say? <laughs> I mean, your mic sounds like you're in a quieter room, less echoey. So I'm assuming you're, you're not in the tile floor of Florida. Yeah, that is. It, it absolutely was the tile ceramic floor in Florida. Um, <laughs> thanks for recognizing that. Um, I'm trying to remember where I sat when we recorded in Florida. But anyway, um, it, it's all tile and marble there. Or not marble, like granite counters. Anyway, uh, yes, I did make it home. Uh, you may recall from the last episode, Spirit Airlines canceled my flight uh, with five or six days notice, asking me to come home on Saturday instead of Sunday, 23 and a half hours early. So... I decided that perhaps not missing the second Seder or, you know, Easter with my family or many other just, you know, a day of my vacation wasn't worth it and paid up. I probably could have convinced Spirit to give me uh, Orlando to Boston instead of Orlando to Manchester Mm -hmm. uh, without a change fee. Instead, I chose uh, JetBlue Jacksonville to Boston. It left a little earlier and we needed we had to take a bus from Boston back to Manchester to get our car. So the slightly earlier timing and. I mean, I don't know how bad Boston was, excuse me, Orlando was on Easter Sunday, but generally speaking, it's spring break and it's chaos there. Maybe not chaos, but controlled chaos. It's, it is generally a less pleasant ter- airport terminal experience than yeah, Jacksonville. I would, I would argue it's ca- controlled chaos in normal times, and spring break is probably just outright chaos. Yeah. So uh, basically, paid, and saved 20 bucks on the rental car when I switched it to be a local instead of a one-way. So, you know, that helped offset... 10% of the increased fare. Was, uh, was your original plan Orlando to Manchester? Yeah, it was a one-way. I was a, uh, Yes. Gotcha. Okay. And a one-way car rental. So um, I will say if you ever happen to be in the Jacksonville airport, uh, down by gate A4 is a sort of local Southern style food restaurant. The grits for breakfast were divine. <laughs> they do, like, it's like you get like a, like a Chinese soup container, like the, whatever the, I don't know if it's a pint or I think it's a pint, right? Like the two cup, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Um, they put like two thirds of the way up with deep, really good grits, a poached egg, and some bacon bits and chives on top. It was for like eight bucks, which the um, what's called the firehouse subs in the uh, center of the terminal charged more than that for a very mediocre microwaved egg sandwich. No, yeah, <laughs> it's always good to find a nice uh, option that's yeah. I mean, I know they're all like owned by franchisees and whatever, and like HMS host or whatnot, but. It feels local, at least. <laughs> oh, that's good to know. Uh, I've never flown out of Jacksonville, so I've never yeah, been to Jacksonville. It, I don't know that you need to visit Jacksonville, but if you're going to somewhere nicer and happens to be in the area, um, the uh, what's it called? The, the, it's a really nice airport. They've done a, they've done a really good job over the last few years uh, rebuilding it. Random aside, Jacksonville is not a huge place, right? Like it's not a huge city. Physically, it's the largest in the continental United States. But it's, but I mean, population wise, it's not a correct. Okay, population wise, it is not huge. They uh, they annex the county, which is why yes. I, I, I look at the map and I'm like, oh, that's a lot of green. Um, but that, yeah, so, so it looks very big. But it's, I mean, the downtown core and whatever is actually surprisingly well. I mean, it's like got some real density to it. Okay, because uh, I was I was wondering, you know, they have a football team. Yes, I, I just the never Jaguars. I never understood that. You watched a good place. Well, it's really whoever pay is willing to buy a football team, a stadium, can have a football team. That's, I mean, that's true. <laughs> and they always had a stadium. Oh, they did? Uh, yeah. Because the Florida-Georgia game uh, 
University of Florida versus University of Georgia football game was historically the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. Uh, nice. Played in the Gator Bowl uh, in Jacksonville. And I think they may have since upgraded the stadium, but they did have one. You, you learn something new every day. So anyway, it was always a weird one. Just sorry if I may. Like the, it was always challenging because they alternated who was technically the home team each year, and it was considered a home game for one of the teams, even though it was an away game. <laughs> <laughs> well, because it's a third, you know, it's a neutral site. But it's closer to Gainesville than it is to uh, Athens. But you know, decent spread of uh, both fans. But when they give up, you had to give up an actual home game, and that was really hard from a revenue perspective. Yeah, because people the, have to travel. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, you, you well, it's not even the travel. That's an expense perspective. But like the hotels lose one weekend where they're allowed to gouge. The restaurants and the bars all lose that weekend. The concession stands all lose that weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, you only get to sell half as many seats. Because, right, I mean, Florida Field, Ben Hill Griffin Stadium at Florida Field, unless they've changed the name yet again, uh, holds like 100, either right at or under 100,000 people. And the Gator Bowl is definitely smaller than that. And because it's sort of a neutral site, you don't, they always did half and half on the tickets. Hmm. So there, there's some weird revenue implications of doing a neutral site game like that. But they absolutely, I mean, it's it was truly wasn't a massive party. It was, it's an insane experience. So yeah, if you're into I mean, college football, uh, do that. Texas and Oklahoma played a neutral site for their team. same idea. Yeah. 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 Um, anyway. All right. Sorry to derail us. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I mean, this is kind of breaking news before we got on this, the show. Um, and I, I guess it wasn't really breaking from this morning, but uh, the news this morning was uh, a judge in Florida, a uh, federal judge in Florida overturned uh, the mask ban uh, for, or the masks uh, on planes ruling. Uh, so all, all transportation, but yeah. all transportation. Yes. But the one that stands out for everybody is the planes. Um, and that's what this show's about. So Wait, we have a topic. Oh, we have a purpose. Kinda. Um, sometimes I know what I'm talking about. Um, so this is, it's interesting to me because the language in the, in the, the ruling singles out the CDC. Sure. Um, it singles out the fact that the language of the CDC is overly broad and doesn't, wasn't, uh, conforming to what is it? The APA, um, which is an organization that basically checks uh, federal mandates and this and how they're handed out. So anyway, all that to say, it sounds like masks on planes are over. Yes. <laughs> cause, cause the white house has come out and said the TSA is not going to enforce it. Uh, yeah. I mean, the, right. The, the court ruling happened. And then the question was, it was actually an Amtrak issued a statement saying, we all know how these things play out. Um, we, uh, you know, we know how these things play out. We're expecting that there'll be an appeal or something. We're not changing our rules yet. And then, like a couple hours later, the White House said, essentially, the, the uh, enforcement is effectively suspended. And that was, in my opinion, conceding that there won't be an appeal. Yeah. No right. Religion. And well, no at this point, yeah, if you're going to appeal, you have to say, no, we plan to appeal and then figure it out. Yeah. But uh, that was clearly not happening. I mean, I'm. I have a list on Twitter of airports. It's like 300 airport feeds. And it's literally in the last hour, the list of peop- of airports posting no more masks required, no more masks required. We're continuing to evolve the situation. The TSA is not enforcing it. Um, but uh, at the same time, SFO, we are awaiting further guidance from the TSA. In the meantime, we continue to comply with the current security directive until we hear otherwise. Um but Seattle saying masks aren't required. Um, Portland just announced it too. It's not required, right? Not required. Yeah. 
Yeah, San Diego, not right. It's, uh, but Minneapolis still required. It's, and I think New York City airports will uh, still be required because New York has a uh, separate policy from as a city from the other, uh, you know, from the federal mandates. So it's be LaGuardia and JFK, but not Newark. Correct. Um, Which should make it. Thank you, Fiorello. Um, <laughs> <laughs> fair, good point to make because New York City airports often includes that. Um, yeah, it's it's really interesting to see the a the just the, the phrasing that the TSA has been enforcing it because the TSA, in my opinion, other than publishing been. statement hasn't done jack uh, <laughs> from an enforcement perspective. Uh, but also the it's clearly everybody acting in the way they want based on what the official guidance is. But isn't it, okay? I mean, isn't this we- it's weird, right? Like the mass mandate had been extended two weeks into May. Yes. Um, just recently. And, and now this ruling comes out and it's, it's kind of like the white house is like, well, I guess, I guess we're just not gonna, we're not gonna fight this. So if we just say the TSA doesn't have to enforce it, then everyone can do it. I mean, this kind of goes back to everything I've talked about before with messaging, right? It's wear a mask, don't wear a mask, blah, blah, blah. And no, no one is, no one is giving good information or clear information. It, and now it's up to the airports to decide and airlines to decide what happens. And I think that's like the wrong way to do it. But remember that if not too long ago, the airlines asked the rule to be lifted. Uh, no, no, I'm fine with that. Foss. What I'm saying, though, is it's just it's a cluster when you think about it would have been better had the White House just come out and said, we're not going to enforce the, the mass mandate's not around anymore. We're going to get rid of it. What does a government touch that is not a cluster? <laughs> I know. I'm just I'm making a point that like this could have been it would have been very easy, right, to say, OK, no more mass mandate on planes or in airports or in public transit. Local mandates still apply. And. Leave it at that, and and it now. But now you've got to look at what airport you're flying into. And well, the, this one of worse. the challenges with that, Stephen, though, is I think local mandates are very few and far between, and almost no one knows about them unless you actually live there. Yeah. So, as a traveler, I mean, obviously, you know, the eight people who listen to us—it's more than that, but whatever. Um, the few people who listen to us will know that New York City has a mandate in its airport still. But like, who else knows that New York City is different? Yeah, true. But but at the same time, okay, that's fine. Shouldn't it still be – if we're not going to have a mass mandate anymore nationally, shouldn't it be the White House making that announcement, not each airport? I, I don't understand. Like that's that's even worse. Like it's one thing if I show up to New York City and they're like, oh, by the way – The New White House York. did though, right? The White House said the TSA is no longer enforcing. We are no that, longer – That's a terrible way to to say it. But yeah. does, it, no, does it also create an economic disadvantage for the ones that are enforcing masks? Not, <laughs> yeah. not, not enough of one to matter, I don't think. I, I, I mean people are going to tell me I'm wrong and I'm willing to accept that. Um, I – the number of people who aren't flying because they might be told to wear a mask every now and then and then get away with not doing it because most people haven't cared for so long has to be relatively small at this point. That, that's not point. what I'm saying. I'm saying – so someone has to come to New York. Do they pick Newark over LaGuardia or JFK because they don't have to wear a mask going to Newark? Huh, yeah. I, I understand that. I, again, I, I, I don't think so. Not, not enough to move the needle one way or another. I mean but you see what I'm saying though, Seth, right? Like yeah. with my original point is like – Rather than using fuzzy language, the TSA is no longer enforcing it. That's like saying, eh, go ahead and go ahead and riot. Who cares? No one's going to be paying attention. It doesn't matter. Like, that's stupid. That's stupid. <laughs> it's, it, anyway. Yes. Um, what was the bans you wanted to talk about? Uh, was there more? So remember when this mask rules came about, the airlines said people who were uh, not wearing masks and non-compliant would be banned from flying. Yes. Those bans, generally speaking, only last – were announced as only going to last through the duration of the uh, mask policy. 
both Alaska Airlines and JetBlue have told employees, Alaska publicly and JetBlue internally, I haven't seen a public statement yet, have already informed uh, that people who were banned for mask noncompliance will now be allowed to fly again. Hmm. As long Alaska as has said that a few people who are especially egregious will not. And so I, I, my assumption is it has something to do along the lines of assaulting a flight attendant. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, if they got physically violent, I would, I would yeah. hope that they're not allowed to fly on that airline again. Wow. Um, another interesting point of this is JetBlue originally said when this ruling came down, JetBlue said masks are still required on our. All of the airlines said no. I mean, United did too. Many of the airlines said no change. We're still evaluating it um, when the ruling came out. And when then, like, and there was a weird lag, right? Like, you replied to a tweet about it at like 11 o'clock Eastern, and this all happened between 5 and 8 Eastern tonight. Yeah. Yeah. So there was a weird lag in that. But, um, there was definitely some time of people trying to figure out what was going on and uncertainty. Did it even apply? There was one theory that it was about the CDC, not the TSA. So the TSA could still do whatever it wanted, um, et cetera, et cetera. But once, you know, the, I think my favorite uh, turn of phrase that someone said is like, you know, once the dominoes are, you know, cross the Rubicon or whatever. Um, so just imagine <laughs> dominoes sailing across the river in ancient Rome and you'll get the idea of how organized this whole shit show is uh, um once the dominoes crossed the rubicon uh it was all over yeah, yeah and there's still a couple airlines that haven't made uh official statements yet i would expect that by the end of the night tonight or you know at the latest first thing tomorrow morning that'll be done i think i think a friend of the show uh ned russell asked a question on twitter that i find fascinating which was uh are people taking their masks off mid-flight after knowing yes. learning this so Yes, and the number of tweets I'm seeing of people cheering and throwing them off is greater than zero. So, awesome. Uh, tell us about avgeek.travel. Yeah, it's really cool. You should use it. Um, I have for a long time have had this idea of a website that sort of helps aggregate locations to visit while I'm traveling that are aviation related. Um, airports and plane spotting is sort of an obvious angle there, but aviation related museums um, mm-hmm. or non aviation museums that happen to have aviation related things inside. Uh, I don't know. don't remember if I've actually added it to the database yet, but like the Georgia O'Keeffe museum in downtown Santa Fe, New Mexico, really Georgia O'Keeffe. Why would I go see flowers painted like uh, female <laughs> genitalia? Uh, but it turns out <laughs> what? that's what she painted. <laughs> I know. It's just funny. It's funny. You were trying to be funny. I'm just happy. I remember the word genitalia as I was, <laughs> preparing that statement uh it uh she had a whole period she actually flew a decent amount which given the era and whatever is kind of impressive and she had a decent bit of work that was like above the clouds type stuff so Mm -hmm. not pictures of planes but pictures related to flying uh things like that and so you know not all the sites will be perfect for everybody but i wanted to put together a collection of those and the idea is you know when planning a trip somewhere sort of pick the airport you're going to and then on the page for that airport you get a list of a map and a list of nearby sites. And, you know, as I'm discovering new opportunities and places to visit, I'm adding them to the database. Um, usually a few a week, uh, more if people actually have recommendations that they actively throw at me, but, uh, certainly I so, keep uncovering them. So you're taking, you're taking recommendations. Uh, absolutely taking recommendations. Awesome. Um, Cause I have a whole slew of places, uh, that are very obscure, but, uh, interesting. I can't wait to see how many of them are already on the list. Probably none, unless you have like remote, Poland and Czech Republic and Germany. There's a map you can click around and find out. I, I, I will. Uh, Macy's got Bangor on there. <laughs> uh, Bangor is great for plane spotting. You get a wide body almost every day. That's, that's true. Well, you, but you're missing the CRJ graveyard on the southeast corner. 
Okay, I'll put that on the list. If it's still there, it was there a couple of years ago. Yeah, I mean, right. So it's the idea though is you know I have like five I think five or six different categories. So it's museums, and memorials. So like the mm-hmm. Swiss Air Memorial, um, a few others. I actually don't think I have like I don't think I have the Flight 93 Memorial in Pennsylvania on there, which is stupid of me. But um, things like that. It's it's got roughly a thousand locations plus airports right now um, mm-hmm. around the globe, and I'm hoping to keep it growing. So it's I mean it's a cool concept right like to be able to just scroll through because even even if you're just like scrolling the main page yeah like i had no idea about the Cavanaugh flight museum but it came up and i'm like oh now i gotta, now I gotta yeah and i will say one of the things uh, i really cool yeah sorry one, one of the things i really tried to do is sort of especially on the front page and also through the rest of it uh <laughs> um is randomize some of the information you get so the front page if you reload it will give you a different set of locations to explore right if you're on a random location, you know, you pick an airport or you pick a museum to go to uh, and you're looking at its page, um, you'll get a sort of random sort order on the others nearby, plus some news at the bottom of, of relatively recent, you know, stories that are aviation related from reliable websites and things like that. It's, but it's, it is some sort of a mixed bag. You'll never, I think no page can show the same results twice, except maybe, maybe search results. Gotcha. So it's an interesting, um, I think it's an interesting, fun game. I think I or game. Uh, it's a little bit of a game for me. Uh, it was a fun project for me to play. <laughs> I actually started building it over Christmas, and it took me three months to find a designer who I could get with to put, put some of the graphics together um, and make it look better than literally anything else I've ever published as a website. So even if the data isn't great or you don't like it, at least you know take a look because it looks better and uh, than anything else you've seen from me. But it's uh, and what was what was your way of uh, getting some of this? You do you do have a bug with uh, some of your. Uh, um, translations oh, oh yeah uh, uh unicode characters went to shit yes. on me yes. sorry i haven't figured out okay that. I'm, I'm offended as a check you know? yeah <laughs> okay uh, uh yeah <laughs> just flight global just put out a story judge strikes down federal mask mandate masks still required for now do you want to tell them or do you want me to yeah, you, can, you can tell them that's <laughs> great it's the, it's the trouble you get into publishing a you know breaking news headline when things are so dynamic the best part is that the tweet's going to repeat three times tomorrow um, I'm uh, I'm I'm disappointed here. I'm I'm looking at this map. Okay. Yeah. And you? Oh, you did you list it? Okay, you listed it in the English. Okay, so that's why I missed it. Well, you've actually been to this place, the Cabelli Aviation Museum, uh, outside Prague. Outside Prague, but you okay. have very very little information on it. So. Yeah. So one of the challenges there is I used a few third party sources to help develop um, the list and imported as many of them as I could to get started. Obviously, where I can, I've added images. Um, and that's actually something I'm, I'm hoping to add a sort of user-generated content portion of this going forward of upload some images when you've been there or mm-hmm. you know, upvote, downvote, comments, I was there kind of thing. I did that for UNESCO World Heritage Sites. Um, and there was that. Uh, so like a, the same idea of like log the ones you've been to kind of thing. Um, I'm developing this on a platform that's relatively new to me, so I'm learning how to do some of that stuff. Yeah, yeah, it would, it would be cool to like submit something, like a picture or something. Yeah, and have have an easy way for you to approve it or whatever. Yeah, yeah um, make submit a picture, or, and the other thing I'm hoping to put in this is you know very far down the line, but you know maybe in the next six months or so, a uh, the idea of sort of saving a collection of them to a trip and then having a, a page you can go to that says these are the places I want to go, you know, for X, Y, Z. Yeah. And sort of build your own itineraries. Yeah. That's really, and cool. maybe even share, you know, share that itinerary with friends even kind of thing. So yeah, I got to figure out how to do user accounts on this platform and, you know, go from there. Um, speaking of which, uh, we, we, 
there was a conversation on Twitter. I monitor the the dots lines of destinations Twitter account every now and then. What did Seth, I do? You, you, no, no, <laughs> no, 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 nothing bad. Uh, but the, you, there was a suggestion that you build something to track Costco's that people have been to. Yeah, same idea. <laughs> same idea. Um, I think I think Ed uh, Pizza Man would. The person uh, who suggested is the guy we went drinking with in that in Sonoma. It's very true. So, I, but I think Ed would win. I have to assume Ed's going to win. I mean, yes. well, of people I know. <laughs> I don't know. I go to a lot of Costco's. <laughs> All right, game on. The challenge has been thrown down. And then, and then we have our friend Jonathan, who, if we tracked McDonald's that they've been to around the world, he would win. Yes, I think he goes to one in every city that he goes to around the world. I mean, if you guys remember way back when, in an eon ago. Or a common friend of ours found a site where you could map all the interstates you had driven on. Oh, yeah. That site's long gone because I've gone looking for it and I can't find it. Oh. But it was a cool site because you could basically, and literally it was very, very arcane because you basically uploaded a text file with mile markers <laughs> and a highway number and it would then draw the map. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> you would think it'd be easier just to be like, okay, uh, give me where you started and where you ended, and I'll give you a list of interstates. Tell me which ones you drove on. <laughs> I mean, I hate to say it, but that was probably 12 years ago. Yeah, yeah, it's been a long time. I remember <laughs> that, though. APIs have come a long way in 12 years. <laughs> um, moving on. Let's talk about – let's talk Turkey. Yeah. Sorry, just to make sure people are avgeek.travel. Yes. Sorry. I, yes, avgeek.travel. We talked about it, but I mean, you all know what it is. But yeah, avgeek.travel. Fun domain name. We'll see. Um, tweet, tweet Seth with bug reports. You can tweet abgeek underscore travel. There you go. I I follow it. I manage it. (laughs) Uh, Let's start Turkey. Turkey. Yeah. This one came up last week. Um, We we sort of talked about it during the show. And I think maybe because they were adding Seattle or Dallas or something like that. There was some sort of an oblique reference to it. And after we stopped recording, we started talking about it more. Mm-hmm. And rather than start recording again, just tried to throw it to decided to throw it to this week's episode. Um, and I think Stephen, you sort of raised the question of like, what the hell are they doing? Right? I mean, yeah. I mean, I think I brought up that they were flying Istanbul to Seattle, and people are like, "Well, the, how does that make any sense? Even on a seven eighty seven, how does it make sense?" Um, and you brought up uh, a, a I, reasoning behind. It. I think there's a couple reasons. One of them um, more interesting than others, uh, and that is, I think at this point, it's one of the few ways. Uh, Turkish Airlines can get reliable amounts of hard currency into the country. Mm. Um, now, to be fair, a lot of its expenses, especially around fuel, are also in hard currency. Yeah, but and aircraft leases and things like that. But um, the the situation is very, very interesting to me. Like there, the inflation is not quite out of control, but damn close. Uh, I, I visited Istanbul last, like late October, early November, and three weeks later, the Lira had devalued by forty percent. Hmm. Um, so they're they're losing money. I mean, they're losing money. It's, yeah, it's, it's it's around the same point now still. But over the last year, we went. They went. Uh, it was eight to one a year ago today, and it's fourteen to one now. Fourteen hmm. and a half to one now. Right. Hmm. That's a ninety-five, eighty percent devaluation of the currency. Seventy-six, seventy percent devaluation. Of the currency. That's, that's insane. Yeah. Um, and so internally, the government has done a lot of things uh, to manage the experience uh, or you know, the local experience, the local costs, but that comes from draining out reserves and other crazy policies. Cause Erdogan knows as soon as inflation actually hits the locals, he's done mm-hmm. justifiably. Um, it's a justifiable even without inflation, but whatever. And I think the airline is acting as a way to bring some hard currency in. 
So they're starting routes, hoping yeah. to get travelers on the planes to generate money for yeah. the country because they are a state owned carrier. I think that's the other caveat is it's, it's not necessarily obvious, right? But it's, they are the state owned carrier. They're owned by the state of yes, Turkey. They're owned by their government. Yeah. Um, it's interesting to me because it seems like an inefficient way to move money. Like you said, expenses and things like it seems like a bad way to, to get currency into the country, but maybe I'm. But it's, it's it, it, yes and no, right? It's easy in that it's, you don't have to think about how to do it. It's automatic and you just need to get the people on the plane mm-hmm. and they have a history of undercutting most pricing. True. So they can drive people onto the plane, right? They've already got the infrastructure. They've got the airport. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the other thing to consider, and I think Malaysia is a good example of this. Um, the Malaysian government sort of came out and was like, yeah, we know Malaysia Airlines loses money. We're okay with that. Hmm. And the reason was, if they can bring tourists in, those tourists spend ringgit, I guess, in Malaysia, but dollars locally, right? If you're spending local money or supporting local shops, et cetera, like that's think of it as an investment in your tourism board, right? Like you have a tourism board, you'd spend a hundred million dollars on advertising campaigns. Well, what if you just undercut everybody on pricing and, and you know, threw away that hundred million dollars on your airline and lo- mm-hmm. right. If you lost a hundred million dollars on your airline, instead of spending a hundred million dollars on advertising, mm-hmm. one is, you know, Oh, well that's a cheap place to go is more likely than, huh? I saw an ad about this to actually draw someone in. Yeah. I see what you're saying. It's it's more about playing the the get the people here. They'll spend their money. That's where we'll make our money as a government is yeah. in taxes. In, and, in some cases, it's occupancy tax or whatever, right? Like a room rate. In some cases, it's uh, a actual departure tax. In some cases, it's uh, sales tax on goods. In some cases, it's just it doesn't. They don't need the tax revenue directly, but they need the shops to have money. Yeah. So this is like the Black Friday sale that they only have three of. <laughs> three billion but same premise the loss leader in essence right yeah drive yeah. you know make it appealing at a price level and people don't think about the corollary expenses that come with it yeah and you know there's it's there's some interesting sort of macroeconomic theory on that um and a debate between you know guaranteed revenue if you say it costs x dollars to visit my country for arrival or departure taxes versus you can show up and some people will spend more and some people will spend less, but we'll have more people. And so maybe that'll work better. Um, and trying to guess at what that revenue target is going to be. Um, the Caribbean spends a lot of time debating that with, because relatively speaking, it's very high tax uh, on arrow. Yeah. Um, one of the other things I was thinking about here is so Turkey or Turkish airlines, right? Like they don't, they're part of the star Alliance, but they don't, they're another one of these carriers that doesn't play nice necessarily with the Alliance and with the partners. Right, they they kind of do their own thing. Um, they you can get a connection on United if you really try hard, but it's it's harder than it is than you would think to get a connection uh, on United. Um, booking either their metal or through United, trying to get onto yep. Turkish metal. It's a pretty generic interline agreement. It is not a joint venture. It is not a highly aligned uh, partnership. And and a lot of this is, I mean, like Foss said, their prices they're undercutting even. Star Alliance carriers on a lot of markets. Well, I think United is still bitter about the Newark Istanbul thing. What what thing is that? You have to refresh my memory. They launched service and then Istanbul and then Turkish did some shenanigans where all the feed went away. Oh, really? That's what that's the premise. That's why that flight was launched to be able to do onward connections, and then they had problems with Turkish and they couldn't push onward connections, which is why the flight never came back. Yeah, I, I would assume it had to do with preferential rates on connecting code share stuff that mm. sort of worked if you flew like. And connected in continental Europe, 
right onward and Turkish would give them a rate to get you all the way into somewhere else via Istanbul with a double connect, but with a single connect that preferential rating disappeared would be my guess because Turkish wants you on their metal for that whole thing. They're not part of the joint venture, et cetera. I mean, the counterpoint to that is like, what about Sun Express mm. joint venture between Turkish and Lufthansa? So it's not, they're not, they're not necessarily a, uh, they're not friendly with United, but I think they do have some vaguely friendly relationships. I think they had an, a pretty decent code share with Asiana at one point. Um, hmm. Okay. But yes, they are. They also have the Turkish airline, sort of one of its claims to fame is the most countries served of any airline in the world. It's not most destinations, it's not most routes, but it's the most countries served historically. And I don't know what's back yet, you know, post or I guess we have to say post COVID now because the U.S. has decided it's over. I don't know. Um, <laughs> in the current COVID environment, but that was one of its one of uh, Turkish's big claim to fame over the years. Uh, and so it does. There's some interesting things there, just in terms of how the connections all play out. Yeah, I mean, they've I've looked at them before because they they offer some of the better connections into Africa. Yeah. Um, uh, the, you know, places that necessarily wouldn't be easy to get to unless you flew uh, a Middle Eastern carrier or one of the African carriers. Um, yeah. And I, I think Turkish, because of its geography, sees itself as sort of trying, excuse me, trying to very much compete with the ME3, but doing it, quote unquote, from Europe. Yeah. Instead. Is it, is it really ME3 anymore? Or is it just ME2? Uh, 2.5. <laughs> you don't you don't account Etihad anymore? And yeah, not man, really. they finally got their A three fifty one thousands flying. <laughs> is it yeah. thousand? Is it, is it, maybe it's the nine hundred. They, they they did they put their A three fifty into service. It looks pretty nice inside. Yeah, they, they did a big media event. It's flying to Paris right now. Oh, nice. Um, let's talk about North Atlantic and Air Europa. It's all the leases, baby. All the leases. <laughs> I, I, North Atlantic is a charter carrier, correct? No, they're the new uh, Norwegian. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Excuse, excuse me, they're not Norwegian long haul. They're just using the same planes with the same route plan and uh, same business model. But we're not. But they're not Norwegian. No, their CEO insists. Got so it. we have okay. to make sure we're honest about that. Yes, uh, they are leasing three seven eighty sevens to Air Europa for eighteen months. Air Europa is a, a Madrid based Spanish airline that. Uh, IAG slash you know British Airways and whatnot tried to buy, and was rejected for anti-competitive reasons. But um, yeah, they basically came out like oh, and and Air Europe, or excuse me, North Atlantic hasn't actually launched flights yet. They the most recent was like uh, oh Om- Omicron, and then uh, the war in Ukraine are d- affecting demand, and everybody else is saying actually that's bullshit. Our demand for Western Europe and uh, between Western Europe and the United States is stronger than ever. So maybe, you know, it's a bad route network that North Atlantic has put together, but they, uh, seeing that they weren't going to fully utilize some of their leased aircraft, they decided to lease them onward to air Europa. So they get a little money back and the planes get them to service. Oh, interesting. So that's an 18 month deal. Uh, Finnair also has some spare wide body capacity right now. Yep. And Eurowings discover, which is the Lufthansa group's latest long haul leisure, whatever carrier, low cost carrier. Uh, sure version of condor yeah uh <laughs> without all the stripes we'll get to that later uh they actually that was a weird one i noticed in the dot filings last friday i think that uh finnair announced that it need a uh, file to put uh starlines carrier code shares on its metal which was super weird and then it came out that it was going to fly for munich to tampa and las vegas and frankfurt to tampa or las vegas i forget which only one of the two 
So um, these are the routes we talked about a while back. That yeah, Lufthansa these new long haul routes out of Munich yeah. and Frankfurt for leisure traffic, right? I mean, but what's really interesting about this is <laughs> arguably the Finnair planes have better premium cabins than the the Lufthansa planes. The previously, yeah, the ones that were previously on there. So that's a kind of amusing. Situation. No, 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 no. Let's be clear. Not only better than Eurowings, mm. but better <laughs> than better than Lufthansa because the Finnair seats are all aisle access single like if you like that uh you know lie flat seats they're really nice <laughs> so <laughs> can, can i just throw a, i gotta give gotta throw the producer a little bit of credit he's got a great <laughs> idea for the mass mandate <laughs> Go for as it. you've been around long enough you know that we have another colleague colleague who used to join us we call him producer because at one point he vaguely sat in the background actually it was like on one of our gear trips he sat in the background and was feeding us lines and data um, like a producer <laughs> would um some of it may have even been accurate uh, he, he believes that the best idea to, for, would be masks to be required for takeoff and landing, uh, just like and but not at cruising altitude, just like the old electronics policies. <laughs> yeah. Taxi takeoff and landing, and after you get to ten thousand feet, the ding, you can take your mask off. That... So, if someone claps when you land, do you get to pull the strap and let it go? <laughs> Thwack them with it. Exactly. Um, anyways, uh, what else we got? Uh, Air Baltic. Also leasing out, they've got a bunch of A220s, right? They switched to an all yeah. A220-300 fleet yep. uh, pretty aggressively. They're up over 30 planes right now, I think. And partly because they don't fly to Russia or Ukraine anymore, where they're relatively Eastern European focused, and partly just because I think, you know, COVID and whatever, like, situation is weird. They've leased out some of their planes to SAS, Eurowings, Short Haul, and maybe one other airline. Um but yeah, there's they've got a crazy route map of where those A220s are filed to fly for uh, SAS, Eurowings, and Eurowings. Oh, they do have actually Eurowings Discover, which I guess is interesting. Looks like I'm not sure which of those it'll be, but like out of Stockholm, Dusseldorf, and Munich look to be the main hubs where they're going to operate from. And the route mapping, a lot of these routes are less than daily, but the route map is like a Jackson Pollock painting over continental Europe. Is it just like dots ran- everywhere? Is, is it random point to point type stuff? No, it's hub based. It's just Dusseldorf, Munich, and Stockholm. Uh-huh. Oh, but yeah. it's like a ton of routes, huh. like Dusseldorf or, or Munich to like eight different airports in one, two, three, four, five, six, five, six different airports in Greece, seven, huh. seven, you know, a dozen in Italy. All of the ten, all of the Canaries, they're everywhere. I mean, it's a better to me. That's a better option than the three nineteens and three twenties. With you, since you have better seating, two three seating, yeah, two twenty. I love the A two twenty. I think it's a great plane. Yeah, I mean, but Dusseldorf is that like if someone has nostalgia? Eurowings. Are they Dusseldorf based? They put hubs everywhere, man. I'm thinking Air Berlin. <laughs> yeah, that was. Air, I mean, it was historically Air Berlin's. Yeah. Uh, I think and now there's a there's a gap, there's a vacuum, and you know, nature abhors a vacuum. <laughs> you you are you are on point tonight, sir. Um, this wine is really good. What can I say? <laughs> Let's uh, let's thank our patrons, and then we're going to talk a little bit about stripes and premium heavy seven eighty sevens. Just uh, some new Patreon subscribers: we got Matthew, Michael, Blake, and Megan. Thanks for supporting the show, and uh, thanks to all our listeners uh, for supporting us and listening. And if you have a question or comment, tweet us at dots lines on Twitter. More dots, more lines dot com. Thanks for listening, and happy travels. Bye bye. Take care. And as Stephen has acknowledged, he reads the tweets but doesn't respond. <laughs> Bye, guys. <laughs>